0: We are here rejoicing and singing. And we're singing even in the midst of that passage that Gary shared with us earlier from Philippians about adversity. Because things happen. Podiums break. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. But this letter to the Philippians deals with rejoicing in the midst of adversity. And this is now in the fourth Series uh, fourth sermon in a series that we're looking at Philippians. For that reason, you know, here we are standing here today. We're we're singing songs like "Oh Happy Day," rejoice and sing. And you know, the people singing this song, that there are people singing that song who have had pretty bad times, who who have had a lot of times in their lives when they didn't feel like rejoicing. People have been through uh, a messy divorce. People have lost loved ones. People have been in jail. People who have suffered addiction. And these people are singing, Oh, happy day. See, that's, that's, what, makes, that's what makes us special. That's what it is about being a Christian, is having a Lord to rejoice in and being able to rejoice in the middle of those times. And that's what Paul is getting at in this letter. One of the reasons this letter is so valuable to us is because it is a tough time. I mean, look at this church at Philippi that Paul's writing to. There's bickering and arguing, there's persecution, oppression, there are other apostles have moved into town and they're competing with the message that Paul preached and he's calling them fake apostles and then later on in the letter he addresses two women, Euodia and Syntyche and he tells them to stop fighting with each other and not only that, Paul's in jail. It's one of those letters that makes you realize that maybe the first century church isn't really the ideal church. Things haven't really changed a whole lot. There's still adversity everywhere you look. But there's this great spirit of love in this letter. Paul loves these people that he's writing to. And he uses the word beloved five times in this letter. He loves them so much and he's so close to them that he's not afraid of getting down and dirty and really leveling with them. He's willing to take on the hard subjects like... Rejoicing in the midst of adversity. And this passage that Jane just read to us this morning is one of those passages. He starts it off by saying, Therefore, my beloved. Therefore, my beloved. Then he starts talking about heavy subjects like obedience. He says, You have certainly been obedient in my presence, but now, even more so in my absence. He says, Work out your fear and trembling. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Work it out. You know, there's something about that, that statement that is jarring, isn't there? There's something about it that's always challenged me, because if there's one thing we know about salvation, what is it? We're saved by grace, right? We don't save ourselves. Jesus saves us. And if you had to distill the gospel down to two words, you might do it that way. You might say, Jesus saves. And it's an act of free gift. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. He simply gives it to us. That's what grace is. It's the free surprise gift of being saved. So then, why is it that Paul says, work it out in fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. Now, if you're going to read the Bible like you read a legal document, this might be the place where you want to get out your yellow highlighter pen and highlight this part because you figure, okay, now we're getting down to the fine print. Now we see the terms of the deal, what we have to work out. Do you ever get one of those letters in the mail that says, congratulations, you've won all expense paid two nights in Hawaii or something like that? And... Come on, this is too good to be true. And you read the letter, and sure enough, down there in the fine print, it says something like, attendance at sales seminar, required. Now, I figure, okay, I knew there was a catch somewhere. But, you know, I've always wondered, what do they do to you at those sales seminars? Anyway, I, I've always been too afraid to ask. Do they throw you in a room with giant cockroaches or something until you sign a paper? I, I don't, I don't want to know. So we may wonder about this fine print. Here's what I want to know. Is this the fine print? Is this the catch in our salvation? What is the part that we have to work out? And I know I know that you've got an answer to this price for salvation. I know you can tell me who paid the price for our salvation. Jesus did. But there's still something going on here that Paul wants us to get to. And I think the clue to it is in when he says, immediately following that, because God is at work in you. Paul knows that Jesus paid the price. Paul knows who's doing the work. God is at work in you. So the clue to us is what we have to do in fear and trembling. This fear and trembling language is throughout the Bible. It appears dozens of times. It's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it always gets at the same thing. It gets at that sense of awe, that sense of being in the, before the majesty and glory of the Almighty God. That's the sense of fear and trembling. Do you remember the story of Jesus in the boat with the disciples? And they're, they're in fear and trembling. Because what's happening is... A storm comes up in the middle of the night. The waves are swamping the boat. They're about to go down. They fear for their life. They're sure they're going to be drowned. And where's Jesus? He's sleeping in the back of the boat. So they go wake him up. They say, Lord, Rabbi, don't you you see we're dying here? Don't you care? And what does he do? He stands up and he rebukes the wind and the sea. And there's a dead calm. No, they thought they were afraid. Now they're afraid. They've just encountered something that they've never seen before. They've just encountered a power greater than the forces of nature, greater than the storm. And it's coming from this man, this teacher, this friend of theirs, Jesus. He's standing there face to face. They've encountered the power of the living God face to face. Now that's enough to put the fear of God into you. That's the kind of fear Paul's talking about. Imagine this. Imagine that this same one who rebuked the wind and the sea This same God who created the world, this same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, this same God who created all the stars and galaxies of the sky, the same God who loved you in your mother's womb before you were even born, is the same God who is at work in you. That's enough to give us fear and trembling. And a God like that, a God who's at work in you, the reason it's fearful is that that God can do anything He wants with you. Do you know what He wants to do with you? He wants to make you a shining star in the world. He wants the world to see that He can work in the middle of life, in the middle of your life, whether your life is messy or glorious or shiny He wants the world to see you as a shining light to His power at work in the world. The only problem is a lot of times we don't feel so much like our life is all shiny and glorious. A lot of times life is just plain messy. And when I look back on my own life and I think about the times when I maybe felt like I had the least to rejoice in, the times that were the toughest, and I look back on those times, I realize that those turn out to be the times when God actually was doing the most work in me. problem is I couldn't see it. I couldn't see past my own suffering. And that's why we need people around us to rejoice with us, even when we can't. You see, rejoicing is a team sport. Rejoicing is, is something we've got to do together. What is joy anyway? Joy is a little kid jumping in a puddle. And what's the point of jumping in a puddle? What's what's the point of jumping in a puddle unless there's mom or dad or someone standing around and say, Hey, what are you doing there? And and the little kid says, I'm jumping in a puddle. And he's got someone to share the experience with. Look at me. Look at me. I'm jumping in a puddle. Isn't this cool? You know, trying to rejoice by yourself would be it would make just about as much sense as throwing yourself a birthday party and only inviting yourself. Rejoicing is is seeing a kid graduate from high school. Rejoicing is having a party. And that's why the church is a place where the party takes place. We're the people called together to rejoice in the good news that we do have a savior. Rejoicing is a team sport. It's not something we do alone. And rejoicing is something that happens when we've got people around us in our lives who can remind us that we've got to work out our salvation. We've got to work it out. Now, we've got to understand here, what Paul's getting at is that when he says, work it out, it's not the same word. It's not the same word as when he says, God is at work in you. He's using two different words. The, the first word for, for work it out is the word of, that you would say like, well, I heard you had a trip down to Tacoma yesterday. How did things work out? It's the word of bring it to pass. See it come to pass. Bring it about. The other word, the word of God is at work in you, is the word you would use for going to work. The word of, what kind of work do you do? The word of doing the work of lifting a heavy stone by direct force. You're doing work. They're two different words. So when he's saying work it out, He's saying, take part in it. Take part in it. See the cause for rejoicing that God is at work in you, bringing about your salvation. And so, do you have a part to play in your salvation? What is your share in the price of your salvation? Sure you do. Do you know what your part is in your salvation? Your part is to rejoice. It's to take part in what God is doing in your life. In the middle of the hard times, in the middle of the glorious times, rejoice. And if you don't feel like rejoicing, all the more reason to have people around you who can see what God is doing and rejoice for you. We just heard Mark's story a few minutes ago. And I asked Mark if I could share a little bit of the rest of his story with you. You see, Mark has seen his share of adversity. Mark's been in some, t- some tough times when just about everybody gave up on him. The, all those schools gave up on him. The juvenile justice system gave up on him. Mark was in jail. It seemed like just about everybody had given up on him. He might have even given up on himself. I don't know. He's the only one who'll ever know that. But there were just a handful of people around Mark... They were willing to have faith that God might be at work in this situation, even though it looked hopeless. A handful of people, his mom, Greg Stone, Rich Morse, Greg and Rich met Mark down at the jail at 5 o'clock in the morning to take him to the treatment center. He said he didn't want to go. He had said, I'll just stay here. I'll just stay in jail. He went anyway. They took him down to the treatment center. They were able to do that not because they saw some glorious thing happening in the jail, but because they believed in a God who was at work in Mark's life, whether Mark knew it or not. You see, God is telling a story through each of our lives. That's what we have to rejoice about. it. God is telling a story. And our part in the story is to rejoice in the story that He's telling through each of our lives. And to help each other, see it, that's the price of salvation that we get to pay. But in order to do that, we've got to have people in our lives who can help us do that. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Do you have somebody in your life who can rejoice over you even in the midst of a hard time? I don't know what I'd do without them. I've got a, a group of guys that I meet with every Friday morning. We meet for uh, reading the Bible, for praying together, and for helping each other to see how God is at work in our lives. I don't know what I'd do without him. One of the guys said just the other day, You know, I kind of feel like God has always had his hook in me. It's like a big game sport fisherman. Because I've been pretty far away from God. And a lot of times, I haven't paid attention to what God is doing in my life. But, you know, he always had that hook in my mouth. And he's been slowly reeling me in. And he said, you know, when he really took a big step to bring me closer to him was when I joined this group. Because I can see it more now. You see, friends, that's what the church is. The church is a group of people who celebrate the good news that God is telling a story in our lives. And we get to celebrate that with each other. That's why rejoicing is a party. Heavenly Father, thank You for being a God who works in our lives all the time, even when we can't see it. Lord, for being at work in the messy times and in the shiny times. Dear God, we pray that You'd help us to share that gift with each other and that we would rejoice in Your name. We pray in the name of our Savior. Amen.